Hey dreamers, today I'm talking with Steven War it's Warley, right? Warley. Well, not yeah. War Warley war spelled like war. war. Like war. war. Yes. War. What is it good for? <laughs> uh who who was with me way back, uh almost two years ago, uh in episode one forty six. Wait, how is that possible? You said it was May twenty fourteen? No, it couldn't have been May. The show started in like April or May of last year of 2014. I don't know. I mean, because it was, it's, I definitely wasn't on in 2015. Hmm. Wait a second. Wait a second. I might. This might help. We ended on Stuckable in uh, March 2015, and we started on Stuckable in April 2014. Hmm. Yeah. This doesn't. This doesn't help me. It was episode 146, whenever that was, but that was way I mean, back in ancient podcast land. As of recording this episode, it, uh, today or tomorrow, I'm releasing episode 241. So if that tells you anything. Good for you. That's a lot of episodes. I, we got up to 155 before we killed Unstuckable. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and you killed Unstuckable not that long after you were on the show. I think so. Yeah. Um. Which was was a shame, but at the same time, it was it's good because it enabled you to unstuck yourself from yourself again, <laughs> again. Right. I mean, just and just as a quick recap for people who aren't familiar with the Unstuckable podcast, it, we were kind of going on a journey to see. You know, I always had this feeling. I feel like I hear more and more people feeling stuck, overwhelmed, not valued at work. Um, not sure of their options. And I was curious about what does this all mean? So we did a whole, a whole podcast um, interviewing people who got themselves unstuck, how they did it, what that meant to them. And uh, unfortunately, we closed down the podcast. Um, my business partner and I at the time just decided it was for the best. Um, we just were really struggling of how to turn it into a business. And now I'm starting again because I've been, I've been working for myself for 16 years. And uh, I'm fascinated about this topic of how to inspire people to make that transition from employee to self-employment. And I actually feel like it's a fundamental trend that we're seeing in our economy. Uh, that is, uh, I think many more of us are going to become reluctant entrepreneurs instead of intentional ones. Well, I think, you know, the internet has a huge, uh, part in that, right? Like the reason, Absolutely. uh, was it, I was reading an article about how, you know, Facebook wants to bring the internet to the rest of the world. And and while the technology is awesome, I'm all about the technology. Uh, what was what I thought was really interesting is for every ten people that get on the internet, it it produces almost one millionaire. So it's like point six or point seven mil, like millionaires for every uh, ten people that get onto the internet. Wow, just ten people? Well, it, it, when I guess when you scale it out to uh, billions, I guess that's okay. that's why that's how it. Um, if I'm if I'm remembering the the quote properly, it was it was almost uh, a full person would be a millionaire uh, when you scale it out to the you know billions of people. I'd love to see that article if you can find it again. Yeah, yeah. I'll, um, I think it was like like TechCrunch or, or something something okay. that effect like wrote an article about their their plane that wants to use lasers. Uh, or maybe it wasn't even an article. It might have been just uh one of my tech the tech guys I follow on YouTube uh, meant, was reading an article from somewhere. And anyway, the point is, is the internet helps grow uh, e economies, even though we had the dot boom, like sure. whenever, uh, you know, I was a victim of that. Well, I, I, I mean, yeah, the 2000.com I'm, I'm dating myself, the 2000.com. I got laid off. That's how this whole journey started for me. There you go. Yeah. 60, yeah, 16 years. So, uh, it's crazy how time flies, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Very fast. I feel like an old man of the internet. 
<laughs> no, you know, believe me, I, I do too. I do too. <laughs> uh, so anyway, what, what have you been up to since you were last on the show forever ago? Sure. So I, I still love this idea. Now that anybody knows me knows how passionate I am. I, I feel like, and I think you might feel the same way too, that I feel like I found this secret in life. I'm like, why wouldn't everybody want to work this way? You know, it's so much more satisfying. You can make more money, freedom, et cetera, et cetera. But I realize that's what I'm trying to research to understand why more people aren't, you know, making this transition. So after we kind of blew up on Stuckable in March 2015, I was doing some healing and just kind of recovering from that. We put a lot of effort into it. And I was also still doing my old business, which was doing sales training for local broadcasters. I was teaching them how to use digital advertising, marketing, et cetera. So I'm only now officially this year retiring from broadcasting after 20 years to work full time on inspiring people to become self-employed. So, and I think sometimes you talk a lot about dreams and I think a lot of times in our society today, we want our dreams to happen like this, right, Joe? Things don't move fast enough. I, I was just talking to my wife about this and I was like, I have like five or six different things going on at once, but every single one of them is like going at a snail's pace. And I'm like, I, I wanted to go fa- I mean, I, I could really use the money. So if we could like pick this up a little faster, like it would be great to be able to get that, that cash flow uh, coming in here. But yeah, it's, it's tough. And, and there's two things I'd like to say that I think one is uh, it annoys me when we see in the media, the overnight success. Cause when you really dig into that person, you find out that they've been working on it for 16 years, like myself. Or number two, the person who really did make that million dollars like in under three years. I'm going to tell you, nine times out of ten, they did some very, very gray things. Things that I personally would not be comfortable with in my business. It is very rare that somebody can live up to their values and their ethics and make that much money that quickly. So I'm not saying they can't be done. But at the flip side, it's I'm personally uncomfortable with some of those tactics that could allow you to make that money. So I, I want it all, Joe. I want to live my values every day and I want to make a comfortable living. And it is, I will tell you after 16 years, it's absolutely worth it because now I have, I mean, I have interviewed hundreds of entrepreneurs about this. I've read hundreds of books. I've tried countless life experiments of my own. So I do feel great that after all of that, that I feel much more confident and really guiding somebody through this process. And I feel good about that. It was worth the wait. It it is. I mean, it's you. People don't become millionaires and and or billionaires by necessarily being the nice guy and doing all of the 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 right things. I mean, it's possible. Well, um, let me tell you the peep. Have you ever read the Millionaire Deck Store? I don't read books very often. Oh, great! <laughs> I have a new product for you because I'm going to read books for people and I'm going to give you the notes and the audio recording and wrap up in 15 minutes because there's so many amazing books out there. But, and you can go to lifeskillsthatmatter.com if you want to check out my first habits guide. Sorry for the plug, Joe. No, 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 sorry. <laughs> this is your show, man. That just, that just kind of popped into my head. <laughs> but The Millionaire Next Door, it was, I believe it was written in the 90s. And, and the, they analyzed, like, who, is, who are the millionaires of America? Where do they come from? And you know who they are? They are generally older, over the age of 45. They took years to accumulate their wealth. And the majority of them are actually come from blue-collar professions. Now, as we update this, I'm sure it's going to change. There is going to be that anomaly now of a lot of the tech millionaires that are coming along. But it, historically, wealth is built through accumulation. It's built through 
finding something you're really good at, saving that money and investing it in, you know, fairly conservative investments, not too conservative, but certainly not looking for 15% returns. Mm. That's really how wealth is generated. And a lot of them, they don't make incomes over ninety dollars or $100,000 because they know they're going to get taxed up the wazoo if they make any more of that, right? So they're really also good about creating lots of investments, owning real estate, having different other types of investment in- in- instruments, even beyond stocks and bonds, that really lowers their tax burden. So I know I'm getting a little technical and geeky on you there, but it's possibly be a millionaire, but if you want to do it on your terms and with your values, it's going to take you longer than what you hear about there out in the media. Yeah, it, yeah, it's not going to you know overnight or whatever. But I mean, even just to it, make your business go can take you know up to two years to turn. Oh, know, I'd say really two, three years. And even a big, the big mission I'm on. I think so many times people think starting a business means jumping into the business tactics. I believe it's really learning life skills that matter, the ones that have never been taught to you or taught to you formally in school. That have everything to to get your mind ready because we were all taught how to be employees. We weren't taught how to work for ourselves and we have to deprogram ourselves. You know, if all of a sudden you're like 30 years old listening to this and you were like, oh, my gosh, I now know I have to change. Well, you got to deprogram 30 years of a story that was told you of how you were supposed to work. And it's a very, as you know, it's very different. All of a sudden you own every minute of your time again. There's nobody telling you how to use your time, which is exhilarating and exciting, but also downright scary. It is. Well, I, you know, as my as my great-grandfather once said, if owning a business was easy, everyone would do it. Totally. And while it has gotten easier, um, the basics are still the basics. And if you can't process those basics, uh, you're, you're, it's still not going to be easy for you. It's amazing how many entrepreneurs I talk to. They're like, I worked so hard. I did all, create all this content. Or I had this prototype. I did all this work. And I'm like, well, how many people are you talking to on a weekly basis? And they're like, huh? People... Are, the number one thing I think you've learned, too, from this is you have to be building community every day. got to be meeting people. you got to be following up with people. you got to be helping people. you got to be listening to people. If you're not doing that while you are building whatever it is you're building, you are not going to bring the two necessary ingredients together. The community, the product, solving a problem, that's what makes money. It's very simple. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, with having the show... It's it's been amazing because I've gotten to meet people like yourself where I wouldn't have the opportunity to otherwise. I'd have no reason to. And I know podcasting is so awesome for that. It, it is. It is. And and having a show that can inspire other people at the same time is is really empowering for not just for me, but for the people that I get to. So like the one of the added benefits of doing this show is it, it you know, it, and I don't really like the word expert. I I can't concern myself a professional. Um but I get to go and do talks now to large groups of people about hashtag how to dream. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the whole thing. So it's like, oh, people are like, oh, well, what makes you an expert at this? Well, I've done 250 plus episodes of a show, you know, where I've interviewed people from all around the world on why and how they live their dreams every day. I've done it myself, you know, leaving my own family's business to do it. So I had the background with the, you know, with business since I was, you know, six years old, sweeping floors, working there and seeing how operations work and see, you know, hearing the conversations and stuff. Can I jump in right there? Because you were so lucky you got to be exposed and be taught. You were, you were able, your family taught you how to be self-employed. I was not, I did. I had parents who worked at jobs who my father worked for 18T for 30 years, that very old school way of Mm -hmm. trading you know, security for loyalty, that bargain, which we all know has blown up and is over. 
Uh, so that's what we're talking about where I want to, I want to s- systematically teach people what you got to see th- your entire life to be able to do this. You know, what you, your parents gave you is such a gift. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. Uh, and it, again, it's, it's not for everyone and to be able to get to the level in which they got, uh, was, you know, very, very few. Like when I watched like shark tank, I, I look at these companies and they're, you know, they're pumped about their you know, first million in sales or the first 500,000 in sales. And I'm like, man, we were doing like twice that in a month, (laughs) not, not in, you know, the first year or two it's, and it's incredible. Like you don't like a lot of people don't get to experience that level, um, for better, for worse, because it comes with its own uh, set of problems and headaches as well. Uh, so it's not just like, oh, you're making money. It's all good. And, oh, it must be nice. You know, it, it, there's a whole nother layer that you, you just, you won't see or un- even begin to understand unless you've been around it, unless you've been in a family business, unless it's, even if it's not your family, even if it's just, you worked at a family business, you'd understand this, this, the, the, the stuff, the complexities that go into it. Yeah. And I think the core complexity is the sustained motivation. Don't you think, Joe? It, it is. So, so one of the things, uh, you know, as you have your own business and, and, you know, like me, right. So I work by myself. I have a couple people that I work with, but I'm not, I don't have employees per se. They're like a couple volunteers for my podcast conference and a couple, uh, people that I work with on a do, you know, time to time basis. But my point is, is the stakes aren't that high. I don't have a building I rent. I don't have inventory I hold. I don't have employees to pay regularly. I, you know, all of these things. And then once you start down that path, like the headaches and the bills and everything start to grow. And, and uh, actually that's why my, my third book is going to be called uh, uh, sales won't save your business because while sales are great for growing a business, they're not great at saving a business. And, uh, it's, and it's it's also, and that's something I'm concerned about too, is it's, I want to help people design business models based on their habits. Because that's the sustaining juice of a business. If how are you going to do this year after year, decade after decade? How did I sustain myself for 16 years? Because I'm sure you have these days too where we're very excited about it. We're very passionate about it. But there's certain days where like, this sucks. Like, I don't want to do this. you know. But you got to find a way to keep getting through to sustain that motivation. Because dreams are awesome and they're very powerful. They're very motivating. But they take a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of days where I'm I, like, "Hey, the couch is right over there. It's just yeah. it's just down the hall." And you know what? I can watch, uh, I can watch a movie or a show. Or now Ava's here, so we can I can go spend time with her, like, <laughs> and just forget about all this stuff. And it's it's it, it it's almost too easy, right? Because like I'm in the house, but it's when you look at it from the perspective of, I want to continue to do what I want to do. I want to continue, you know, before you get to the point of like, okay, now I have employees that their families are counting on me and the families of the, of the clients that I'm working with or the customers I'm working with are counting on me to supply the stuff so that they can get, continue to, to make money themselves, to bring in money for those families. Like that, that whole economy and social economy uh, and social responsibility is, is heavy, but you know, that's why they always say start with the most uh, minimal viable product. I almost said most valuable product, <laughs> minimal viable product. Um, but, but Steven, but, but, but even before you get into that, this is where I think a, a lot of people start teaching about a business, the minimal viable product, all the business tactics. I believe that we have to learn about the most important subject that's never been taught to all of us ourselves. The very first resource 
every entrepreneur needs to assess first before anything else is themselves. And we never do it. And all these different things, I, I have a whole thing, and maybe we can link it to the show notes, but of uh, the inventory you can take of yourself to really start ticking off all the things you need to learn. So that way they don't kind of pop up down the road and sabotage you in your, de- your decision-making process, whether big or small, as you're building your business. For example, have, anybody listening, have you ever taken the time, or maybe Joe yourself, have you ever l- listed, wrote out every single one of your fears? Mm, I think like one time, like, 12, 10, 12 years ago. And we should always update it because fears are never, they're always with us. We're human, right? It's just part of who our DNA and how we are designed. It's part of our biology, actually. But it's taking, it's taking the time to understand your fears. So that way you could see, like, how could that potentially influence my decision making down the road? Uh, or really understanding what motivates you. What's your why? What's your purpose? You know, I really enjoy helping people. It's very, it's taken me a while to, to clarify my why that I really want to help people make that transition from employee to self-employment um, and how to do it and what are all the steps involved and how to do it in a smoother transition than I, than I had. But that is, that is something where I think when people jump in, they, they get very excited about the money. They get very excited about the attention, the potential fame, but it's real. And they totally forget about the purpose. You know, though, that's not your purpose. You know, money is only to get you so far. You know, I, in my previous business, I made a lot of money. I did really well, but I didn't have a purpose after a while. It wasn't sustaining me. And I realized that if I'm going to be working on a business for the next 10, 20 years, I needed to have a more sustaining purpose. And I, I believe I have found that. And just one other thing, I just, I, there's, a whole, there's a whole bunch of things. There's like 15 things I think you need to really learn about yourself. But is taking the time to really understand your values. Your values are the thing that guide all of the decision-making in your life, including the ones that you're going to make for your business. So that really helps you. That's the very foundation that starts to help you understand, how do I like to work? Who do I like to work with? What do I want to work on? And that is something that we don't ever take the time to really understand about ourselves. I, I would agree. We have to find you know what it is that not just that makes us go you know what the what makes the fire burn but uh also what you know what what lines are we willing to cross and what lines are we not willing to cross when it comes to uh how legit we are how much effort we're willing to put in uh an effort we're willing to put in to prove to other people that we're legit and in what we believe and that um you know you can believe whatever you want to believe but at this at the, at the end of the day is it need to be it needs to be convictions right like it needs to be important enough that you're like legit not just gonna change tomorrow yeah and it's not about uh it's such an important point because it's not about just saying this is what my values are it's about it acting on them living them showing them in your work like these values are really alive and they are guiding what i do on a daily basis and and i think to your point they, they are the source of consistency because in the employee mindset, the source of consistency is that job. It's that steady paycheck, except when you get laid off or fired and it's not on your terms. And I've been there. Don't want to go back to that ever again. I'm going to decide when my income ends and starts for the rest of my life. So I think it's right now in our chaotic economy. And if we're all going to be working for ourselves, I believe, even if you're going to be an employee, you're going to be changing your job every two to three years. The only thing that's consistent is your values. And if you don't know what the hell your values are, you're going to have a lot of stress. You're going to feel stuck. You're going to feel overwhelmed. You're not going to feel valued in your job. And if that's you, start 
by understanding what your values are. I would, I would agree. And I'll um, give you one quick exercise because somebody's like, well, how the hell do I do it? Do not go to Google and, and look for a big list of values. Just don't do it because that's somebody else's voice. I think make a big list. Actually, I have a challenge about this. Make a big list of your proudest moments in your life, anything, personal, professional, and then start to say, ask yourself, why were you so proud of these different moments? And then you can start to say, well, what's a value that describes each of these moments? And then look for those patterns. Because they, they, back to the action, Joe, they, when you see your actions of what you've did in your life, that's where the, your real values start showing up. And then you can start making your list from, and from there and start working and refining it. And, it's, and it's an, as you know, it's an ongoing process. Right. Yeah. Because you're not going to remember everything at once. You're not going to remember no. every situation that you had or the way it made you feel or anything like that. So yeah, definitely um, keep maybe use like an Evernote note or, or yeah. something that you could keep updating uh, as you remember these things and as you experience new things. And then you can write down like, hey, I, I did this and this is why I'm, I'm proud of it. This is why it sticks out to me. So, um, so Stephen, how have your dreams changed since way back when on episode 146? Yeah, 146. I'm gonna, I, they have not changed. I am more convicted than ever. Uh, I think I can articulate them more strongly and feel confident. I'm more confident now. I, from the time I was laid off, uh, those first five years, it took me a long time. I thought I was going to get a job. I went to business school. I did some freelance things. I kind of made all these incremental steps towards working for myself, but I never accepted it until five years in. And then once I did, and I realized all the benefits of it, how much I loved it and how much it made me really feel alive, that I was in control of my life and where I wanted to go. And I was really living my life more intentionally than ever before, that I said, this is happening. This is a big trend that's happening in our economy. Um, this is a big change. And it was kind of always loosely rolling around my head. But the more I met people, more books I read about it, I'm like, this is really uh, a shift. And Unstuckable was the first version of doing that. That didn't work out. And I think a lot of times when people have dreams, Joe, the first iteration, you put so much heart and soul into it. And then it just didn't work. I think too many people, what do they do? They give up. They give up on the dream. And I think there are probably some cases where it is. It's an indication where like, you know what? This isn't exactly what I want to do. It's an indication that you should have given up on that particular dream. Or you have to stick with it. And you're saying, you know what? I still like the heart of this dream. I just have to find another version, another way to do it. And I think that's a lot of times. Sometimes we get too specific for how exactly the dream has to look and how it has to turn out rather than being a little bit more zen and saying, what's the essence of the dream? The essence of my dream is, I think I have enjoyed working the way I've worked and I've grown so much as a person. This is a lifestyle that I want to share and I want to share with people how to do it. So now I'm going to do that in a new version, a new incarnation called Life Skills That Matter. And uh, so, so I would say, you know, I'm more convicted than ever of the dream and I've made some tweaks and refined the dream. So that way it can become a reality. Now with lifestyles that, was it lifestyles that matter? Life skills, life skills that sorry. matter. Yeah. Yeah, so you can go to life skills And Joe, you've bought, you've bought a lot of domains in your life, right? I, I have. So, so the first, this occurred to me last summer. I'm like, what do I want to teach? And I said, I want to teach life skills that matter. Like, you know, the stuff, the stuff that you can't measure very easily, the stuff that's never taught to you in school. And I went to, uh, you know, a domain buying service, I think it went active-domain.com, put it in and it was available. And you know, that never happens. 
Uh, very rarely. <laughs> the first thing you want is never available. And it was. So I said, okay, universe, you're, that, this is a sign. This is what I'm doing. And I bought it. So no, that's little, awesome. Little sidebar. <laughs> so, uh, so you have a mission with, with life skills that matter. Yes. Though. And what's that mission? I, over the next three years, want to help a thousand people become self-employed. And I want to also, and, and people are like, wow, that seems like a pretty audacious mission. But really, what I want to help people understand, there's, I, I think a lot of people listening have a very specific definition of what it means to be self-employed or to be an entrepreneur. And I want to show people there's lots of different ways to do this. For example, you can still be an, I, I, you can still be an employee, but I want to help diversify your income revenue streams because the days of relying on one source of income are quickly coming to an end. As somebody who has been laid off and having my income cut off all at once in one day, I am never going back to that reality. Mm-hmm. So I want to teach people how to have a side project. You know, how can you do this with an extra three to five hours a week, having some extra income on the side? So at least you have some extra grocery money, or maybe it's paying off your mortgage, or it gets you to at least start to experiment. What is it like to maybe run a business on the side? Or at the very least, it's a backup plan. So if you do get laid off or fired, you have income still coming in, and then you can grow it for how for whatever you need. And I've t- and it's funny, Joe. A lot of people, and that was myself. That was my story of how, you know, I got laid off, but then I played around with freelancing. I took some different jobs. I think people, entrepreneurship or working for yourself is more of an evolution rather than a snap decision. I think for most people. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You don't want to just uh, hit the light switch and and like okay now I'm going to start a business and 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 we're and some people do. And- I think a lot of people there's that myth, the story of like I'm going to spend my life savings. I'm going to max out my credit cards. If I have a mortgage, I'm going to take out a second mortgage. I'm going to have and I'm putting my all my time, my effort, and my money into this to make it work. Now there are people who have done that and it worked out for them. There's a lot of people who have done that and it didn't work out for them. Only you know the answer of what is the best strategy. But I will tell you, more often than not, more more people than not are going to choose a more cautious evolutionary approach, and that's generally the one that I have, I'm an advocate for. Yeah, I I mean even though I'm not, uh, I didn't exactly do that myself. Um, I I am an advocate for for people to to take that step, uh, educated steps. Uh, along the way because there's so much especially if you've never owned a business or never been around somebody who taught you any stuff about actual business not not the mba not the you know all the all the stuff that's like great in theory the actual like day-to-day grit business stuff that's yeah, like uh, like getting it down like i tell people like you have to get down your day-to-day down to like the three core habits of your business you know mine's creating content reaching out and, uh, and and dealing with community and doing interviews. Those are the three important things. Of course, the administrative stuff's in there, but those are my three core habits. And that's where I really want to help people understand how to plan a business based on what they're actually going to do every single day. And I think too few people ever really teach you to do that or, or think about your business in that way. Um, I had one other thought that escapes me. I'll let you go. No, no, no. It's, 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 do you have any is – it, is it coming to you? Is it all coming no. back to you now? I did have one thing I'm going to tell back to money because I'm a tangent talker. But I think a lot of times people, when they want to work for themselves, they I often ask them, well, how much money do you want to make every year? And they'll say, I don't know, 100000 I'm like, where'd you get that number from? You know, because it sounds sexy, because it's like it's a certain threshold. And I've actually created a calculator um, called a lifestyle calculator to help people really understand based on their existing expenses and spending, based on what they want to do in their life, 
how much money do they really need every year? And then you're also going to start to see like unproductive or, or spending or wasteful spending. That's not going to really help you toward your purpose or goal and how to cut that. And I tell you, Joe, when I walk people through that exercise, people realize they need a lot less money. You know, it's not $100,000. They don't need to be a millionaire to do what it is that they want to do. But this is another kind of that employee mindset. It, it was that, that status symbol of I'm going to make more and more money uh, rather than really understanding first, how much money do I really need to live my life? Because if I can get away with working 20 hours a week making the money that I really need, I want to do that because there's so many other things I want to do in life. Right. Well, you know, I mean, I love work. I'm not trying to get out of work here, but I want to want to work effectively and efficiently. Right. Well, there's two things to that. So one, I I do actually talk about that in my my How to Dream Bigs uh, talk, like how much, you know, what lifestyle do you want to live so that you, you know, if you want to live out in the middle of a farm, like in the Midwest, it's not going to cost you nearly as much if you want to live in Manhattan in a, in a high rise. Totally. Um, so you have to understand like what it is that you want to do, where you need to live to do it and how much money you're going to need to do that. So I, I, I think that's great that you're, you're wanting to teach people that. And the other thing, uh, to go along with how much money you make, you know, the more money you make, the closer you are to the door because the more, you know, expendable you technically become because they could hire two or three people to replace you at that point to do the things that you do or at least the things that they think you do. Uh, so right. it's it, making more money isn't always necessarily, um, you know, that uh, that amazing thing. It's it's about the career, that path that you choose in the first place that, that can really make that. Because, like, if the minimum for, say, like a systems architect or like a, like a, like a really high-end IT job is like 150000 well, that's – hey, that's 50000 more than you were just saying, the sexy number of 100000 Totally. But the thing is, that's like the low end. So, you know, if you're making two hundred or 250000 a year, then all of a sudden you are closer to the door because they could hire two of you and get, you know, in theory, double the production out of what you do. And by the way, you're going to get taxed on all that income, right? And I know in some ways, being self-employed, we have greater taxes. But if you – there's more – we have more tax structures. I'm not going to get into this, but there are more tax structures we could set up for ourselves to reduce our tax burden and we have more control over how much money we make when you're employed somebody else is deciding how much money you get to make that's true you know i i did i want to finish my thought i found it it's grabbed back out of the ether <laughs> uh you and i i don't want to turn anybody off because a lot of people are like gosh they're t- they're saying it could take up to three years to like work for myself let me tell you this what you're really doing is you're setting up your system for the rest of your life. So when you think of you're like in your early 30s right now and you, you could take two to three years to set up your system for the rest of your life that you get to tweak and massage and adjust. It's a really small time investment when you think about it. Because when you're an employee and you have to go and get a job every two to three years, guess what? You have to learn somebody else's system every two to three years for the rest of your life. And that does not seem to be a good use of time in my opinion. So I like a little bit more control. I like my system. And I've now developed that system um, in a way that works for me that it makes me more flexible, especially as the economy is changing, right? You know, when, people, when things happen really quick, the economy or the stock market goes down, I'm, I'm not freaking out over here. You know, I've prepared for these, for these events um, in a way that I think a lot of employees don't have that level of control. Right. Well, it depends on how much extra income you, you have. And that's why the 100000 sounds really like a great number because like, oh, well, in ten, every 10 years, I, I, I accrued a million dollars. But you know what's funny? I've done, seen this. You know as well as I do what happens to people, especially in that employee mindset. And I did this too, is every extra dollar that you make is another dollar you spend. Somehow, as if you do a graft, 
it's almost like our spending is directly tied to our income. And really the trick here, it's not about making more money. It's about saving more money. It's about prioritizing our spending. So I like to travel. That's where I want to put my money. I don't care about having a fancy car. So I don't spend a lot of money on that. But you only have one car, right? We only have one car and I barely use it. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm walking and biking. We live in Boston, so that's possible. I know that's not possible where, you know, for a lot of your listeners, wherever you may be living, but it is for me and it's an option. So I think that's another thing to to really be keeping in mind in terms of how much money that you need to really need to be making. Yeah, I I would, I would agree. Um, Totally off topic, but I'm actually, I'm going to be getting a a new car uh, pretty soon because I I have a Volkswagen TDI and they're going to be buying it back. Because they got caught cheating, if you right, about this. yeah. Yes. So they got caught cheating. Volkswagen got caught cheating with their diesel engines, uh, you know, more emissions. But they're going to be giving a five thousand dollar cash payout plus the value of the car from two thousand September of two thousand fifteen. So my car at that point was only one year old. So I am so pumped to be getting rid of a five hundred dollar a month car payment and uh, probably making out around you know five to seven thousand dollars on top of it. So what are you going to do with that extra five thousand dollars? Uh, well, I mean, we got some some bills to pay down, some credit card stuff to pay down, some uh, you know, the house to pay for still. Uh, but I what I I imagine will, what I'll be doing instead of going for a a car because I don't really drive much anymore, so I don't even need uh you know my own car at this point. But since Melissa works so far away, I'll probably get like the hundred dollar Kia you know lease option or something to that or the Honda fit or something that something that whatever's like a hundred dollars to 130 dollars a month like that's what i'm looking forward to yeah and I, what I, I why i wanted to share that story is because you're really thinking about where that money is going where a lot of people are like oh my god payday i won the lottery i'm just gonna go buy a fancier car right <laughs> because you you give into your emotions and and i'm glad that you're kind of pumping the brakes here no pun intended maybe i did i don't know <laughs> but you know, you're thinking about, I had this opportunity. What's the best way for me to be spending this money? And from ancient times, from everything I've read, Joe, you know, this idea of spending below your means that all of us should be, no matter, even if you're working minimum wage right now, should be putting 10% of your money away. You are a bill. You have to pay yourself first. And a lot of times people feel like, oh, that's a luxury. I can't do that. Um, I, I have bills to pay. I, I have to feed my children. Of course, I don't want you to shirk your responsibilities. I am not saying that at all. But if your brain all of a sudden says, I just have 10% extra less to spend and I have to make this work, it's number one, it's going to incentivize you to figure out how to make more money. Number two, that's how you build wealth. You have to have a spending habit. That's how all those blue-collar millionaires became millionaires because they were good savers and they put it into reasonable investments. Yes. Though I will say at the end of the day, you can't take it with you. So don't let it get away from you. (laughs) <laughs> but it's but that's why I'm saying it's putting a small amount away because at least, and everybody's different, right, Joe? I mean, every uh, for me, I feel having the financial backing. You know, Carrie and I have enough money saved that we don't have to work for eight years based on our current lifestyle. Oh wow, that makes me feel good, right? And that's another. If you've ever rich rich dad poor dad, that's how he he defines wealth: how many days, how many weeks, or months, or years you can work or live without working, based on your current lifestyle. And for me, that gives me more confidence in my business and it, it, it reduces my worry because that's, we all have our thing. And I, I feel like I've worried and stressed about how I'm going to fund my life for most of my career. And that is a pain I wanted to solve and get rid of. And it's pretty much gone. 
Um, and now I really want to be able to work on something that's really meaningful. Um, and I'm paid fairly, you know, I'm not looking to become a millionaire. Right. But you, you will be, uh, given, you know, if you continue your projection of eight years, 10 years, 12 years, 15 well, years, that's like before great, you know that, it, it's like, Hey, I'm able to, that's the, magic of, that's the magic of money. One of the most important lessons I learned from my MBA, maybe one of the only things was the time value of money. Like the younger you are, the more you save, you're going to be in better and better shape, you know? And, it, and Joe, you think about all that, the temp, that 10%, I mean, all the, the money I've spent on going out and frivolous expenditures. I mean, we all have 10% in America that we can cut out and shift that spending back into a savings habit. I know we can. You know, and, and, uh, what was it to, to, you know, the, the, to go back to the values part, yeah. um, you know, and I, I'm, I'm going to take a guess cause I'm, I'm the same way, uh, sure. is that, even if you you are like you know what I can retire now I'm old enough and I have enough years saved up in the bank and I know the expenditures and I can protect all that project all that sure you're probably still gonna keep working because I, I know work, I would I will there I'm going to work until they put put me in the ground because our generation gets to redefine what retirement is and when you think about the old industrial economy they retired people because they felt like they used them up they looked at human beings as these cogs, these inputs into the factory system. And then they got too old and they weren't strong enough and they couldn't use them as well. So they needed to retire these people, put them to pasture. But now we live in this knowledge economy, a creative economy, where more and more of us are actually using our brains. We can work longer and longer. We actually accumulate all the, that wisdom and experience. So we become more valuable throughout the course of our life. But you have to keep learning. You can't just coast. There is no coasting anymore. So to your point, I want to constantly learn. I want to constantly be working because that's what makes me feel alive and relevant and engaged and useful and helpful. And, uh, you know, it's not about the money. And I think that's where I think many more and more of us are going to that to that that place where we're not just working for money anymore. We're working for meaning. We're working for purpose. And that really excites me. I I agree. Uh, I think that it's that's what why you know that's one of the reasons why we're having this conversation that's why you're listening to this the is why show we love each other so much right yeah <laughs> i agree uh <laughs> you're my uh, people right back at you steven is there has there been any new roadblocks you've had to deal with since uh unstuckable and being on the show last I think, uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you a roadblock. I think I've always been a big believer in diversification. I was talking about diversifying your income streams, not just being reliant on one income stream. And as an entrepreneur, and you got, you're a guy who has a lot of ideas too, I've always had lots of projects, lots of businesses going on. This is the first time in 16 years, Joe, that I am committing 100% to just one business. And I have to say, ooh, I even got a chill. It's kind of scary for me. You're but so I, lucky. You're so want, fortunate. I want to do it. I, I feel like because I'm a big believer in recognizing our patterns and these past patterns haven't worked for me. So this is a dramatic shift in how I work for myself. But I'm totally breaking a huge pattern and I'm pretty optimistic that it's going to work out for me. You know, I think it's something I, I need to do. It's time. And I know it's scary, but when you really can focus on one thing and do it well and see different variations with in life skills that matter, there will be different revenue streams. I will have different sources, but they're all going to come from the same idea, the same purpose, the same vision. And I think that's going to help me work that much more effectively and efficiently and, and help more people and do a better job. I, w I would agree. This, uh, this is why we do what we love and we love what we do. It's true. Uh, 
can I? I'm gonna try. How much time do we have left? Oh, you're you're good. You're, okay. You can keep on keep on rolling. Because I do. Before we maybe at the end we could do a little teaser. There are a couple of challenges um, that I would like to leave with people because as much as you and I love talking about this, we actually want to get people to take action and to do something as a result of listening to this podcast. As you're driving to work, you're working out, you're going for a walk. Um, once and, and and also for that person who's listening to this right now, I, I applaud you because too there's not enough enough of us who really take time to schedule self-reflection. And that is the spark of dreams to me, uh, Joe, because if you don't make time for self-reflection, you're constantly just letting external forces, people, other things constantly dictate how you use your energy, your time, and your money. And self-reflection is the brakes. It puts, it stops on that. It blocks it all out to say, hey, hold on a second. Where do I want to go? How do I want to use my energy, my time, and my money? And which another thing, another thought popped into my head, Joe, I'm such a big believer in really when you want to direct your life in the way that you want to go, it's really understanding not just how do you want to use your time and your money, but it's also starting to understand your energy. And that's something that I came to me late in life, maybe in the last five years, where I've really come to believe that it's more important to manage your energy than manage your time. Because you might be up for 16 hours today and you have, you're running a business, you have a marriage, you have a baby. And let me tell you, you're not going to be able to work consistently at a high level for 16 hours. And anybody who is listening to this who says that they have done that before, it's baloney. From all the research I've ever read, you really only have three to four hours a day to do your most important work, your highest level, mental focus, your sharpest energy. Not saying that you're not going to do other forms of work, but your most important work. Um, through, Through the centuries, writers, artists, scientists have said, they have about three to four hours of day that they can do their best work. Hunter gatherers, you know, most of human history before we, we settled down, became civilized. Anthropologists believed that they only worked three to four hours a day. So it's actually in our DNA. And the whole idea of working eight hours a day in a 40 hour week was a recent construct that was developed by people like Henry Ford because of the factory system, because of the industrial economy. And if we're going to move into, once again, you see there's a reoccurring theme here in everything I'm talking about. We're moving into this knowledge creative economy. That's a lot of mental power. And you only can really operate at that level for three to four hours. And honestly, Joe, I work no more than five hours a day on my best work. That's, I, I, even at the fourth hour, I can already feel myself going down. I'm making mistakes. My thought patterns aren't as clear. And I know I need to stop and leave it until the next day. And you know what? It makes me more productive. Right. Well, that's not to say that you can't answer emails or answer your Facebook no, it's live another, chats or No, or and whatever. like I, I say, that's another – I do my, my writing. That's what I consider a high-level right. high work. But then to your point, the rest of the day, that doesn't take as much mental power where I'm answering emails, I'm having meetings, I'm looking for ideas, but also allowing myself to say, wow, that was great. I did a lot today because I think that was another thing, a, a roadblock you were talking about before that I got over or hurdle that – held me back in the past uh, at the end of every day i always felt like i knew it was never enough i never did enough and i think there's a lot of people listening if you're working for yourself you're getting started you might feel like that too and what i decided to do is break that pattern too to say at the end of the day i look back and I'm like Whew, i got a lot done today and to savor my accomplishments and to also understand what did each accomplishment do uh and that that makes me feel a lot better and more confident about and how i'm helping myself become more productive. 
Yeah, I know. It's definitely easy to uh, to fall into that trap. And I, I know, especially now with, with having Ava here, um, it, there's a lot of days where I don't get that kind of, you know, work that I'm used to doing. And I, and I used to sit down for, you know, four to six hours a, 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 at a time uh, when I would be home. And, and it's about, I, lo- I love working Friday nights. I don't Interesting. Know I, 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 I want to. I want. I, can you get back to me? I want you to analyze yourself. Keep a little journal. Track yourself. I want to know why. There's Fr- a reason. It's Fridays and Saturdays. I just love it. Like I, I, because I mean, I don't go out or anything like that. But I just love being home. And you know what it is? Is on Fridays and Saturday nights is like social media is dead. Yeah. Like it's totally dead. So there's like, oh, there's no like, oh, let me just go see what's on Facebook. Like, because there's like nothing going on. Um it's like the worst times to, to post anything is like all day Saturday and, and like Friday night is, eh. um, but yeah, I, I don't, I, I'll have to uh, continue to, to analyze well, it, but it, it well, sucks I, because I, I want to be with my family and, and stuff like that, especially once Melissa goes back to work and she's not home every single day of the week. Uh, you know, it's, it's just tough, but I, I just love, I don't know. I just enjoy it. Uh, but- but I just as a little exercise, because this is kind of something else I wanted to talk about is self-awareness. And you've kind of already had an admission. I think what you just said, there's something to be said. If like it sounds like you spent a lot of time on social media. Potentially it's a distraction in the rest of the week until the nature of social media minimizes itself as a distraction. So you're allowed to feel the freedom of doing work. Yes, unfortunately, it's on Saturday, Friday nights and Saturdays when I should be enjoying going out or enjoying things. Uh, it's like, hey, I can get some, I can get some work done. It is a distraction. I know it's a distraction. Um, and it's but these are the things tough. that we're looking. These are the things that we're working for because the the most important life skills that matter, in my opinion, is self awareness. Practicing self awareness, cultivating that. And this is another one of those skills that came later in life to me because nobody ever taught me just how to look at myself from a third person vantage point, how to pay attention to one aspect of my life to say, why do I do what I do? And the way that I was just asking you, Joe, let's drill down here. Like, why do you like working on Friday and Saturday so much? And one thing quickly glimmered up as you were talking is maybe social media has been too much of a distraction throughout the rest of your week. Right? So, and the best the, 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 the distraction's a tough word because as we talked about before, it's all about relate. You know, a lot of this is about relationships, and what Facebook enables enables me to do is keep those relationships going and building upon those relationships, and and you know, getting to keep up with my friends uh, and family. But but you know, from a business standpoint, it's those relationships that I get to keep go. You know, keep moving forward with because of social media. If it wasn't for social media, I wouldn't be able to do that. So. I, uh, yeah, I probably do. Or when use it more when than does I it become should. a distraction? Like, how would you define? Is there a way you can define it at this point in time of when social media is becoming less productive or more of a distraction? When when the time when I know I should probably just take a break and go so to like, you actually take a know nap it. or something. You're, oh, you're yeah. aware. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, well, I wrote about this in my first book about you know seeing everything from from different perspectives and being able to put yourself in different people's shoes and those what you know just to go along with what you were just saying about being able to be self aware. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I totally know when it's being a distraction. It's when I should just stop what I'm doing and go take a nap and then come back because you know like, what's I'm so just funny? distracting it's, myself on purpose. I do the exact same thing. I now I'm getting better at when I know I'm doing stupid web surfing or I'm just stuck on a sentence. Now, instead of staying with it, I know to like get away from it, go take a nap. 
you know, I'm a big believer in naps or a quick meditation, just something to clear your mind or going for a walk, really getting away. And, and once again, this is something that those types of activities are not encouraged in most workplaces. You know, no, this is why I could, I could never go back to an office. But believe it or not, it actually makes me more productive you know, because it clear because what happens, our brain is getting so gunked up by the middle of the day, early afternoon um, that it needs time to like process all these new connections that it's making. All that information is just took in and you needed to give it a little bit of a break. And, and actually, from a lot of the research that I've, I've read recently about brains, they believe that we sleep primarily just so our brain has a chance to process all the information that and all the stimulation that is taken in throughout the day. Hmm. No, you're you're just you're just lazy. That's all. That's that's, that's right. That's yeah, right. That's a, a nap during the day. You only take those because you're trying to skirt doing work. And to, and and for those of you who don't know that I spent four months in Seville, Spain, in 2010, home of the siesta. Still in that part of Spain, <laughs> two to five, everything shut down. And I and I tell you, there is something to it, you know. And it works for me. It does, you know. I'm ready for that right now. As you're, as you're yawning. <laughs> uh, but self-awareness, so the most important self-awareness practice, back to a lot of these life skills, you know, understanding your values, your fears, uh, you know, uh, embracing discomfort, uh, you know, understanding your energy levels. You have to track this. And that's part of self-awareness. And the most important uh, uh, tool or device for self-awareness is writing things down keeping some sort of a journal. And when I use the word journal, I don't mean like you have to like say, dear diary, you know, this is what I ate today. This is what I did. This is a, you could use prompts. Like what were my most positive feelings today? What were my most negative feelings? Why? Who was I with? When, when did they happen? Where did they happen? So you can start seeing patterns. You could just keep a, a note, an Evernote on your phone, or or you could do recordings on your phone as you have thoughts or feelings. You could, uh, I use an Excel spreadsheet. When I know I'm like really angsty about something, I really start writing down every single thought I'm having and why I think I'm having it. So that way, I, when it's put in writing, all of a sudden I get this different perspective. Instead of seeing it from inside my brain, I get to see it outside in the world. And a lot of times I'm like, gosh, this seems so silly. What the heck am I worried about this for? Right. And it, and it just evaporates. That anxiety just goes away instantaneously. So why I love writing things down, I'm such a big believer about it. Of it, it helps you see see some problems or fears or things that have been bothering you, worries from a different perspective. Turns it into a physical form, uh, so that way you can actually it's cathartic. It's getting it out of your head, literally, quite literally. And finally, you get to see patterns. And this is a way I think when you write things down, you can actually communicate with your subconscious mind because a lot of times that part of your brain already knows where you want to go. And sometimes our conscious mind overthinks things and actually trips us up. And a lot of times I'm a big believer, Joe, that we need in our society to cultivate the subconscious mind more, give it a role, a seat at our decision-making table, realize that emotions are important. They shouldn't be suppressed like we were taught. The, you know, in the workplace, the traditional workplace, one thing, you're not allowed to have emotions. You're not allowed to cry, get angry, get upset. And I believe that emotions are the things that get us excited. They tell us where we want to go or where we don't want to go. And then using our rational minds to kind of deduce, well, what is it exactly that's bothering us or why are we excited about something? How do we get there? Yeah. Well, they want, again, going back to them, uh, them wanting us to be cogs that wear out and then need to be uh, totally. replaced and, you know, with younger 
But I'm human, Joe. I'm human. (laughs) And I think that's the big shift in our economy or what's happening is I think more we're starting to realize our computers have gotten so powerful that we're at this point where they might start becoming more smarter than us. There's a lot of, you know, uh, experts, as you're saying, quote unquote, out there saying that within the next 50 years, there might be artificial intelligence that is smarter than the human brain. So we're getting to a point where we can no longer keep up with machines. We can't keep up with computers. We aren't computers. Uh, and we have to kind of start focusing on what makes us unique and different from machines again and to really embrace our humanity. And, it, and kind of one of the mantras I'm living by is how do we live within our own nature rather than trying to conquer our nature and instead of trying to change ourselves in a way that I think that's why a lot of us feel stuck or feel anxious because we are constantly trying to fit into somebody else's ideal, somebody else's mold, rather than taking the time to figure out, like, who the heck are we? What are my ideals, my values? Um, how do I like to work? And then how do I fit into the system? Definitely. Um, is there any last thoughts you'd like to share before we share how people can connect with you and, and uh, wrap up here? Two challenges. One is very simple. And everybody, if you really think that you have a dream, or there's a big change you want to make in your life, or you want to work for yourself. That's something I'm really excited about. I often tell people, Joe, the first thing they need to do is to leave work on time. And people are like, you've got to be kidding me. That's the first thing you tell people. Because most people, when I tell them to go through this exercise, it turns out they end up leaving work on average an hour earlier every single day. Because so many people say, I don't have time to do this. I can't find the time. But we're doing all this extra stuff at work that we really don't even want to do and actually helps put your job in a different perspective. All of a sudden, you might have be miserable at that job. You might hate it. But now it's, I'm going to leave it an hour work earlier day. I'm going to spend that time self-reflecting, figuring out what I want to do. And also, it's going to make you more productive at work. You're going to figure out, what do I really need to get done? What was I hired to do in the first place? You're going to stop jumping through hoops, but you're not going to like do too little to get fired. You're just going to do the bare minimum. Do, it, do your job. And number two... Back to what I was saying, start a writing habit. However, whatever that means to you, you want to, if you don't want to use words and you just want to draw stuff on a daily basis to express what's going on in your head, go for it. But I really believe from all the entrepreneurs I've ever interviewed, the books I've read um, throughout the ages, people have really found that writing or expressing themselves on a physical form is a great way to get unstuck and to start turning their dream into a reality. It's really turning into a physical form for the first time. Otherwise, it's just a prisoner in your mind. Let it out. Yes. Yes, it is. That, I think those are great challenges. I think that, um, depend, you know, if, if unless you want your career to be, your, you know, unless you're not interested in, in doing your own business, then that, at that point, I would say you need to uh, do what you need to do. But, but even at, at that point, taking the time, even if it's just like 10, 15, 20 minutes before you go to sleep, uh, to, to self-reflect that's uh you know that's a really important task that you can do and, and even if you only don't even have to do every necessarily every single day if you can just do it once start once a week and then twice a week and then you know fit it in as you go um but actually taking the time I, to make sure that you do it i will counter this i'm a big believer in habits and daily habits are more powerful than weekly habits because the weekly habits could get forgotten so if even if you just have one minute a day to do this, it's better than not doing it at all because you really want this to start creating a toehold in your daily life. You want this to be part of your new identity, that this is something you're thinking about every single day. And that is probably the most powerful habit that will really start redirecting your life wherever it is that you want to go. 
Well, they say, you know, you're supposed to be working on your business, not in your business. And yes. in this case, it'd be working on your life, not in your life yes. uh, for at least a little bit of time. Uh, but I, I do agree that daily habits are a lot easier um, unless you're like, you know, a calendar ninja and right. you're, you're like always on your calendar and got, you know, everything. You're like, I got 10 minutes for fun. What do See, I want to do? Stress- that stresses me out. <laughs> Too much scheduling. I can't Too do much it. Fun? I- oh, okay. <laughs> I like designing my life around my habits. You know, that makes me feel more productive, less stressed out, you know. Right. Well, that's also why you don't work for anybody. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so uh, if people want more information, you can go to lifeskillsatmatter.com. Pretty easy to remember. Or you can send me a tweet at Stephen Worley, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-W-A-R-L-E-Y. Sweet. Uh, we'll get those in the show notes so people can connect with you. Steven, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today. It was uh, it was a lot of fun, very educational, and I, I hope that people got a lot out of it. I know that I definitely picked up a few things, so thank you. No, thank you so much, Joe. As always, a pleasure. Love talking to people like you, and thank you for everything that you do. Oh, you're very welcome, and, and again, thank you for coming on the show, and I'd love to have you back in you know, may, maybe not a year and a half or two years or however long it's, it's been, uh, but you know, in a year or so, we'll, let's, let's check in and see how you've been with, uh, with getting your goal of uh, 3,000 people to be self-employed in three years. 1,000. Don't, don't up oh, my ante. Sorry. Maybe, three, I, just... maybe I'll be lucky to have three. I'll settle for 1,000. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was thinking 300 a year, so 3,000. I just add an extra zero. Uh, like my girl uh, Alex McKelvey alright anyway uh, thank you again Steve thank I really you. appreciate it thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dreamers Podcast follow us on Twitter at Dreamers Podcast join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dreamers Podcast if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Dreamers Podcast please send an email to j at jpar.co This podcast is copyright 2014 by jpar.co.